Randall Flagg, the dark man, strode south on US 51, listening to the night sounds that pressed close on both sides of this narrow road that would take him sooner or later out of Idaho and into Nevada. From Nevada, he might go anywhere. It was his country, and none knew or loved it better. He knew where the roads went, and he walked them at night. Now, an hour before dawn, he was somewhere between Grassmere and Riddle, west of Twin Falls, still north of the Duck Valley Reservation that spreads across two states. He walked rapidly, run down boot hills clocking against the paved surface of the road, and if car lights showed on the horizon, he faded back and back, down over the soft shoulder to the high grass where the night bugs make their homes. And the car would pass him, the driver perhaps feeling a slight chill as if he had driven through an air pocket, his sleeping wife and children stirring uneasily, as if all had been touched with a bad dream at the same instant. friends. Today we're back in Stephen King country with a review of the latest adaptation of The Stand. But before we dive into that, I have a little bit of housekeeping to do. First of all, I need to say thank you to my newest patron, Overlord. Uh, Thanks, Overlord. I appreciate your support of the show. Second of all, there is going to be a little change in scheduling. Um, Episodes might not be as consistent as they have been up to this point. Um, So when I first started this podcast, I had a lot of steam and a lot of things to say, and I'm very proud of the content I've put out consistently so far, but it is starting to be a little draining and a little more work than necessarily fun to put episodes together. And, you know, they say, learn to rest, not to quit. And so that's what I am going to do. Um, I've also noticed that I don't watch nearly as much horror as I used to. And I think that that might be due to just the podcast taking up so much time and so much space in my brain. Plus, there's just no shortage of, you know, opinions, commentary, analysis, et cetera, et cetera, floating around in the world. Um, So for me, I think it's just a time to be quiet, make a little more space, and just really enjoy the horror genre for what it is for a little while. And I'll still be here weighing in when something interesting strikes, when the mood strikes, but I'm not going to produce episodes just to make a certain amount of content. I really want to continue to focus on quality over quantity. 
So if you are a patron, um, please know that I am adjusting the tiers to reflect this change. Ideally, I would like to change the tiers to be per creation instead of per month. But at the moment, I'm having an issue uh, getting that option to work. So stand by for that. But in the meantime, if you decide to cancel, you know, you can do that. I will totally understand. Or you can reduce to the brand new $2 a month tier that I have created. Um, Or you can just continue to support at your current level. (laughs) Um, Whatever you think is fair for possibly less consistent content. Um, Of course, I appreciate any and all support that you give. And uh, just another thank you to those who have supported me so far. It means a lot. Okay, so now that all of that is out of the way, let's talk about 2020's The Stand. I'm scared. Me too. Where will we go? Welcome to the Boulder Free Zone. Stu Redmond. Which one of you is Larry Underwood? How do you know who I am? How do you think? Mother Abigail? All I know is that we dreamed of her and she was real. She brought us all together. Keep us safe in these uncertain times. I am in the way of knowing things. I know you feel him. Calls himself the dark man. But mostly I just see his wolf. Mother Abigail told us that there are two sides. There's a good. And then there's a deep well of darkness. Cautiously optimistic about the stand since it was announced, I don't know, a few years ago. It's been in production for a while. Um, you know, it just took so long to actually get made and released. And uh, all the while, I figured there was little to no chance that I would love it. But as with it, I was excited to see another adaptation of this story, regardless of the outcome. And I tried to be as subjective as I possibly could be, knowing there is no way for me to watch this series without my extensive knowledge of all things Stephen King and The Stand weighing in. My husband watched it with me, and he was a good sounding board for what things really were garbage versus what things I was nitpicking. Um, So I really enjoyed 
having him watch it with me and being able to have discussions about it. So without further ado, here are my thoughts. So I took notes during the very first episode, uh, my second viewing of the first episode. And when I went back to read those, like some of them were a little bit funny. Um, So I wanted to do that first to share my initial reaction to the very first episode. Um, So the beginning of the stand is my favorite part of the book. I think it's a lot of people's favorite part. Um, It's probably the scariest part as well. And nailing the beginning, in my opinion, is crucially important. And I thought they definitely did not nail it. I wasn't a fan of the structure. I think jumping timelines and locations and characters all at the same time was too much. Uh, I think if they wanted to jump around in time, um, it could have been done a little more effectively if we would have just stayed with the same one or two characters for the whole episode. Because I think it got a little messy as far as like, okay, who is this? Where are they? What location are they in? What time is it? It was just a little difficult to decipher all of that. Also, I felt like we've got eight episodes. Actually, it was nine. We've got nine episodes, and yet it felt rushed. Um, I felt like I don't know these characters. You know, the world was just immediately thrown into chaos instead of building up to the virus and really getting to see what the virus is and what it does. Um, I thought that Franny seemed pretty weak in the first episode. I was not a huge fan of her trying to commit suicide. I think later I understood that a little more, but um, Franny is a pretty strong character in the book. And initially I thought, man, they're just taking away all of her steel. I did appreciate Stu's relationship with the first doctor, like that whole relationship and that whole exchange was really good. And I'm pretty sure different in the book. And speaking of Stu, I enjoyed James Marsden in general. I thought he was good, but I also thought that he wasn't really given the most to work with. On a side note, casting in general, I thought was really good. I did enjoy uh, Stu's moment with the general and him leaving Stovington, but it just was not, it just didn't hit as hard as the 94 miniseries. Um, You know, not that it has to, and I'm sure that they were like, you know, we don't want to compete with that. Everybody remembers that part from the miniseries, so maybe we do our own thing. Now, my initial, one of my initial notes here was that I'm not a huge fan of centering the story around Harold. I will say I changed my mind on that. I did appreciate where that went, and I thought that Harold's little speech at the end, his letter, when uh, Larry reads his basically his death letter. Um, I thought that was a great full circle, really beautiful moment. Um, Last couple of notes about the first episode. In all caps, I wrote, it doesn't feel serious. Um, And I think that's something that I just sort of missed throughout the whole show was the gravity of this story. And my last note is, what are these credits? <laughs> um, over the credits of every episode, they played some kind of goofy music that's supposed to like be ironic, I guess. And I just didn't like all of the objects that are supposed to represent the characters. I just, I was like, whoever made these, they don't, 
they don't think the stand, they don't get the stand. Like, they don't know that this is a really serious apocalyptic story. I don't know. That's a nitpick, but it, I mean, it just caught me off guard. And I was like, what are these credits? Okay, so moving on. I want to talk about some of my standout moments, both good and bad. Um, I will start with the worst moments, and then I will talk about the best moments. Start with the bad, end with the good. Worst moments. So I just said that I enjoyed Stu leaving Stovington, but that is, to me, one of my worst moments. Um, It just didn't feel serious or scary. Uh, The dreams, I thought, were pretty weak. Um, They did not make a lot of sense. They felt pretty light and cheesy, and they they just weren't always clear as to what was happening. When we meet Trash Can Man, like... I don't know. The spectacle of it was great, but I was just like, it was, I mean, it was way late in the series and it just didn't, it just, I don't know. It was ridiculous. Um, which leads me into Vegas, which my note for Vegas just says Vegas. OMG. Um, it was ridiculous. Just again, they didn't take it serious. Uh, it was just like the worst tackiest kind of stereotype of like, if all the bad people in the world went to Vegas, what would it be like? And it was just this like, everybody's wearing weird like Mad Max costumes and there's just like strippers everywhere. Like it just, it didn't make a lot of sense to me (laughs) and just felt really campy, not in a good way, which that's something in the book is that the people in Vegas are just normal people. The people in Vegas and the people in Boulder really aren't that different as far as just like being people that live normal lives. Like there are kids in Vegas, like families and kids in Vegas, just like in Boulder. And I think that makes the story more complicated and more interesting. Whereas this version of Vegas, everybody just seems kind of either dumb or evil. Um, So I think that takes a lot of the spine out of the story, personally. Um, Almost every scene with uh, Randall Flagg and Mother Abigail, those characters are in there. And if you haven't read the book, you might really not know who these people are, or what their motivation is, or just kind of in the show. I didn't feel like they were fleshed out at all. And uh, also, Lloyd, why is Lloyd just like such an idiot? He, you know, he's not the sharpest knife in the drawer in the miniseries or in the book, but he still runs things and people still know that he's in charge and he has somewhat of an air of authority about him. Um, Whereas in this adaptation, he's just sort of just bumbling around like an idiot. Uh, He doesn't seem like he has authority or agency over anything. And I didn't appreciate that. Um, So those were the worst moments. Let's, let's, Let's talk about some of the best moments. So even though I wasn't a huge fan of Stu leaving Stovington, I loved when the general is reading the Yeats poem and we get that poetry reading over Stu running through the corridors and you see all these dead bodies of scientists. And it was just like a glimmer of something really beautiful. So I wish that they had done more with that, like maybe Stu's entire exit could have been overlaid with that poem because that poem is uh it's very relevant to 
what the movie or what the book is about. And uh, the little snippet of it I thought was pretty powerful. Mother Abigail's bedside stand speech to me was great. It was, this is what Mother Abigail should be. Um, and everybody's just standing around her. And it just, it, it hit really well for me. I was like, man, I wish we got this with her character in the whole series instead of just at the end. Um, I liked the little vignettes of the committee getting dressed for the ad hoc meeting. Uh, it's just a small thing, but um, nice character moments. I loved Larry's patriotic tribute. Um, I think he played America the Beautiful. It wasn't the national anthem, um, but it was very similar to the like Jimi Hendrix playing the national anthem. And uh, it was just, it was really cool. It was shot cool and, you know, everybody seemed excited and it just, it made Boulder, Boulder felt like a, a real community celebrating, you know, the power coming back on. That's a big moment for them. Um, I liked Nick and Tom saying goodbye when they send Tom out to Vegas. Uh, we don't get a lot of really great Nick and Tom moments, uh, but their little goodbye was was touching. Um, I liked the little bit that we got of Franny and Nick's relationship. Um, they seem pretty close, and Franny, of course, is she understands she she does sign language, so um, she sort of interprets for Nick, and it's kind of his voice. I did like how sometimes they had both figures in the dreams, and our characters got to make a choice because in the novel. You, I don't think anybody ever gets a choice. You just, you either have dreams about Mother Abigail or you have dreams about Flag and you just go where they tell you to go. Um, I think it actually says something pretty powerful if you get both dreams and then you have to make a choice. Who are you going to follow? And then I really liked Stu and Franny on the road at the end. Um, the two of them leaving Boulder and maybe some of the negative things that society is starting to build. They're going to go off on their own to Maine. Um, just, it felt, it felt really hopeful and it was sweet to see the two of them together like that. So what I want to do next is talk about what I might do if I was in charge of this thing. Um, because it's easy to criticize adaptations, um, especially when a large book is crammed into a time frame that's just too short. I mean, I'm sure the creators of this show would have loved to have had more time, and that's just not what they got. So similarly to what I did with Pet Cemetery, I'm going to actually offer some specific thoughts as to how it could have been made better in the time frame they had to work with. Because of course, ideally, this story should be three to four seasons of television, at least. Um, that's what everybody, I'm sure, would want. A season of television per book. There are three books in this novel. But instead, we got nine one-hour episodes. And uh, keeping that in mind, here is what I propose. So I'm going to talk about kind of like just in general what I would do, and then I want to go more into what I would do differently with characters. So I say I don't mind the cold open where we are in present day. I think we could keep that. But after that, it needs to stay linear. I think you do a cold open that's like present day Boulder. You get a little 
snippet, and then we go back to the beginning. But then you don't come back to Boulder until later in the show. I'm going to say one character group per episode. Um, There's not enough episodes to do one character per episode, but you can, I think, group the characters in a way so that we can dive deeper. I would love, really appreciate, like, the Mike Flanagan Hill House approach in which we go deep with each character, and then they all come together in one place. Also, I think each episode could end with a dream. So you meet the character in present day, the rest of the episode, you're with them through their journey. The end of the episode, we would get the dream. In the dream, we would see each character make a conscious choice to either choose Flag or Abigail. And I think there needs to be more of a kind of distinction between how do people end up in Boulder? How do people end up in Vegas? Um, Because there's never really been a huge distinction between those two things. But I think a theme in this show and in probably the novel too is that choosing yourself and what you want over the greater good of humanity and society is kind of what delineates people who go to Boulder and the people who go to Vegas, the people who want to rally for humanity, go to Boulder. The people who are like, society didn't treat me right. I want what I want. Those people end up in Vegas. And there could be subtle variations of that. But like I said, if you see both in the dream and you have to decide, then that gives people the agency instead of just them being sent to one place or another. Okay, some character notes. Um, I think the Stu, Fran, Harold story is very well fleshed out. Um, I would give Stu a little more gravity as he doesn't really feel much like a leader. Um, Also, ditch that whole military detail that was introduced in the first episode as it serves zero purpose in the rest of the show. The scene with he and Fran before he leaves for Vegas is great. And more of that would have been nice. More little intimate scenes like that where we really learn about the characters. I would love to have more focus on Ray. Um, I think we're really missing scenes with she and Nick. Um, She's a very interesting character, but we need to see why she and Nick are so devoted to Mother Abigail. Um, Seeing the two of them having impactful moments with Mother Abigail and with each other would go a long way to strengthen just the overall story. And instead of Franny being Nick's interpreter, it really should be Ray. So as I mentioned before, Mother Abigail is real weak. We know almost nothing of her faith and her relationship with God. We're just told she has faith. And I would probably lean specifically on Old Testament stories as kind of a starting place for a framework of how to accomplish this. Um, Just the way she speaks to God, kind of her backstory, how she ended up here. And her strong faith, but also her human doubts are crucial to her role as the spiritual leader of Boulder. Um, Also, her motivation for going into the wilderness needs to be clarified. Um, And I believe, they hinted on this a little bit, but I believe the reason she goes into the wilderness is because she isn't hearing from God at all, Um, possibly because she is distracted by her own position and pride. So because she's not hearing from God, she goes into the woods specifically to receive clarity and direction 
from him. It's kind of like the practice of fasting where you clear everything out of your body and you clear your mind so that you can focus on spiritual things. Now, this one might be a little bit of a controversial choice, but in this particular adaptation, I would merge the characters of Lloyd and Trash Can Man because we get so little of Trash Can Man. It's just such a large disservice to his character that I think it would be better to remove him entirely than to do what they did to him. And Lloyd and Trash Can Man serve a very similar purpose. They're both to be um, loyal, high up in flags command, if you will. So you could just merge them together. And I think a good way to do that would be, um, so the infamous <laughs> Bobby Terry screwed it up. Um, this, so the scene where Bobby Terry shoots the judge and he's not supposed to. Lloyd is horrified of what will happen to him if he messes up again, because even though Bobby Terry did it, Lloyd's in charge. So Lloyd is going to be held accountable for Bobby Terry's colossal screw up. And so just like Trash Can Man was afraid when he blew up the plane, he was afraid of flag. So he went out into the desert to bring flag this nuclear warhead. So just switch that out. After the Bobby Terry incident, Lloyd is horrified. So he decides that he's going to go after the bomb. And the whole reason Trash Can Man in the novel, and I suppose in this adaptation, you know, the reason why he goes to find the bomb is, you know, because he has this fascination with fire and this talent for finding weapons and making weapons. But I don't think we need that. I think it can just be, you know, Lloyd just knows where this base is. And so he goes to get the nuclear warhead. Two other characters I would merge in this series is Julie Lowry and the rat woman because like the rat woman aka like the ringleader the one who's presiding over the trial and everything she doesn't really serve a purpose either and like julie's fairly fleshed out but again they're serving a lot of the same purpose which is sort of run this circus so just merge their characters and then we have more character development just on one character instead of spread thin across a couple okay another large change that we got to talk about is the ending and the ending has plagued the book, the miniseries, now this series. The end has always just been difficult. And so I was like, okay, what would I do with this end? Because I thought the the ending of, of this episode, I think it could, it's it started in an okay direction and then just it quickly went downhill. So as I said, Lloyd is the one who acquires the nuke. And just like in the book, he's so he's attempting to make up for his huge mess up, and he's hoping this will put him back into Flag's good graces. Um, since Lloyd is otherwise occupied, Julie Lowry can now be the one leading the charge to prosecute and ultimately kill Ray and Larry. And that would make sense because we've already seen her with Lloyd calling shots. So if Lloyd is gone, if he's elsewhere... It would make total sense for her to just step in and take on that particular role. The hand of God, the notorious hand of God. So in the book, you know, it doesn't say what it looks like or what it is. I think it's Ray or his name's Ralph in the book um, just says to Larry, look, it's the hand of God. So that's open to a lot of interpretation. It's I would always assume it's not literally a hand. But yet it's just something that happens that Ralph Ray 
is attributing to a miracle. But in the miniseries and in this adaptation, they have chosen to make it literally the shape of a hand, Um, which I'm sorry, that's just never going to work out. It's just never going to work out. And if you want people to take this story seriously, because it is a very serious story, um, I think it needs to be a little less literal. So one thing that they did that I liked is that the incident started basically as just a storm, like a lightning storm. You saw the clouds and the electricity in the clouds, and then it slowly starts to form into a handshake. So I like the storm, but I think it should just be a regular storm, just a storm, just a thunderstorm, which is still very unusual for Vegas, but not quite a miracle. You know, you could easily say, oh, well, it's just a coincidence that this lightning storm had just happened to happen on this night. It doesn't have to be this literal interpretation of God, which I think works a lot better. So then you've got this just storm, this just natural occurrence, which by the way, is also referred to as what? An act of God. So, you know, but anyway, we have this lightning storm and instead of the lightning, like coming down into the casino and like shooting through people, the lightning just hits the nuke. That's all we need. We don't need the supernatural lightning to like bolt through people and also hit the nuke and blow everything up. We just don't need that. That's just not necessary. So yeah, just a simple thunderstorm hits the nuke, blows up Vegas. We move on. So I attempted to do an episode breakdown, which was more difficult than I thought it was going to be. If I had, if I sat down and took more time um, and kind of went through the book chapter by chapter, I'm confident I could still do it. But I think I spent about an hour trying to work this out. And I was like, this is a larger, this is a larger job. But um, I did my best. So here's my episode breakdown. First of all, I do think we need 10 episodes, not nine. Uh, And I know I said I was going to talk about what I would do with nine, but let's be real here. This is CBS. This is a major network. We can do 10 episodes instead of nine. Okay. And I think we need a couple hour and a half episodes. Most of them can be an hour, but we need a couple that are an hour and a half. And this is common with series now. They're not all exactly the same length. And some of them are an hour and a half. This did not air on regular TV. So there's no reason why the episodes need to be exactly a certain length for like commercial breaks and stuff. It was only on All Access, their app. So that is not a problem. So episode one would be The Plague. This is an hour and a half episode. I think we open with a Mother Abigail tease. Maybe we just see her uh, at her retirement home. Oh, that's something I forgot to mention. I did think it was really clever that Hemingford Home wasn't a place, like wasn't a city but it was the name of her nursing home. I was like, that's a lovely modern update. So I think we could just open with a little Mother Abigail tease at Hemingford home. Not a ton of detail. Then we get a snippet of each person living their life and the chaos of Captain Trips playing out wherever they are. So this would be very similar to how the first episode of the 94 miniseries is structured. And then I think... That first episode should end with what I call the walk and dude chapter. 
So there's a chapter in the book. It's our first introduction to Randall Flagg. And it's short, but it's just like this beautiful description of who Flagg is, where he comes from, what he's been up to. And it's just great. So we open the episode with a little Mother Abigail. We end the episode with a little Randall Flagg. And everybody's excited about this show now. Um, Episode two, we get deeper into Fran Harold Stew. Um, And I would keep it probably pretty similar to how it is in this series. Um, But again, this is where, you know, do a cold open in Boulder, then move on to before we get to Boulder. We end with Harold getting a dream. We end with Stu and Fran getting a dream. And they each make their choice. Um, Episode three, Larry and Nadine. Because Nadine, I haven't even mentioned her yet. Um, Nadine might as well not have been in this show. Uh, We don't understand she and Larry's relationship. We don't really understand why she's connected to Flag. It's just, it's a little muddy. It's asking a lot. So I would just, I mean, I would get rid of Rita. We don't need her at all. It's just taking up precious time. So uh, we just need to see more of Larry and Nadine's relationship. And again, we can start with that cold open in Boulder. Maybe we see that, oh, they're not together anymore. Like, what happened there? Then we go back to how they got there. And again, in with the dream, each one makes their choice. Episode four, we get Lloyd and we get Nick and Tom. And this one would be fun because we could start with a cold open in Vegas because we haven't seen Vegas yet. Um, It's a little bit tricky that we don't see Vegas until episode four, but I, I think it could work. So the beginning of that episode, like I said, would be cold open in Vegas. And then I think the end of the episode, we see Ray picking up Nick and Tom to take them to Mother Abigail's after they've been on the road and, and, you know, uh, encounter Julie and all that stuff. Um, And then after that scene, we see Flag coming to Lloyd in the prison. Okay, episode five. This is a major departure from either adaptation. I would love to see. Okay, so there was this lovely little scene of Mother Abigail and Randall Flagg. It was very brief in the wilderness, and I loved it. And I thought, what if this was an entire episode? So what I propose, episode five, we're halfway through the show. We've met all of the major players, and we've teased Flagg and Mother Abigail. But in this episode, episode five, we're going to dig deep. And we're going to get Mother Abigail and we're going to get Flag's backstory that we've teased all through the show. But now we're going to get more about it. So then at the end of this episode, I would say the all the groups are arriving or have arrived in Boulder. So at the end of episode five, everybody has gotten there and Mother Abigail is starting to have her doubts about her role, about her pride. And again, this will make more sense because we just had almost a whole episode diving into she and Flag's backstories. Okay, episode six, Boulder, everyday life. We see the committee. We see them talking about sending spies. And at the end of episode six, Mother Abigail, 
Pieces out for the wilderness. Episode 7, Vegas. Everyday life. <laughs> we see Flag and his crew gearing up with weapons, and this is where we dig into the the crucifixions and all that stuff, which there's been whispers of that, you know, throughout the show, but this is where we, like, see it. Episode 8. We have the betrayal. We have the bomb. Harold bites it. Nadine meets Flag. And... Our committee, our ad hoc committee, is going to start to walk to Vegas. And I suppose that Mother Abigail will die at the end of that episode. So this is where it starts to get real complicated. That might have to be an hour and a half episode. But maybe not because I have episode nine, The Stand, as an hour and a half episode. Because a lot has to happen. We have to see the committee finish the walk to Vegas. We have to see Nadine die. We have to see the committee get imprisoned. Then we have the end of Vegas with the act of God, not the hand of God. Then Tom finds Stu and then Franny goes into labor. That's a lot. There's a lot has to happen between episode eight and nine. (laughs) This is where I could dig in and really break down more chapters. All right. And then episode 10. So this is the the extra episode I would like to have. Um, I'm going to call it Resolution. So in episode 10, the conclusion of the stand, we see Tom and Stu arrive in Boulder, much like we did in this adaptation. I don't think we're going to have time to see uh, Tom and Stu, you know, out in the hotel when it's snow and Stu gets sick. I just I don't think we have time for that little side story, um, which makes me sad. But you do see, even in this adaptation, there seems to be a little bit of a special relationship between Tom and Stu and Fran. So I think we could keep that. And then when Stu and Fran decide to go to Maine, which because I would totally keep that. I, I love that, that little bit of like doomed society where they're starting to see some organ, not all organization is good and like some a little bit of ugly things are cropping up in their society and they're like you know what like maybe this isn't all good like maybe we need to maybe we all need to like fan out and i would totally keep that you know i it's a little bit of just a little bit of a downer ending everything's not just shiny and happy because the dark man is gone and i love that um so i would still have Stu and franny go to maine but i would send tom with them because like i said they seem to have a little bit of a special bond and i just feel like He should go with him to Maine. And so we would still have, I think, end with uh, Stu and Franny having this dialogue about society's bad habits. Do we ever learn anything, et cetera? Um, And I thought that scene with Stu and Fran, you know, sitting, looking out at the ocean was really beautiful. So something very similar to that. But they're but they're happy and they're content. And even though it's a little bit there's a little bit of, of an ominous nature there, they're hopeful um, and they're ready to, you know, take on the future with their children and Tom. And of course, I do want to end the show with a flag teaser of some sort. Absolutely not him emerging from the water naked to a tribe of people who don't know anything about the outside world. That oh, did not land. It was... 
the ridiculous cherry on the ridiculous Sunday that was the whole Vegas story. Uh, did not did not appreciate that. But I do want a flag teaser because we do need to know that even though Randall Flag is, we know him as dead. He's the dark man and he's never really gone. So, you know, either we see his little happy face pin, you know, on the side of the road as Stu and Fran are walking by, or we see the crow or the wolf, just something simple to let us know that maybe the dark man is still out there. So let me know what you think about that. Does that sound like a good structure for the show? Let me know if you have any brilliant ideas to add to that list. So when they uh, make this again in 20 or 30 years, who knows? Maybe they'll listen to us. Okay, so some final thoughts here. Overall, this adaptation of The Stand wasn't great. I like the cast. I did enjoy some of the changes and differences. And there were a few moments that really nailed it for me. Um, Got a little bit of chill, gave me a little bit of tear. Um, But overall, they just tried to do too much with too little. Uh, We only got to know a couple of the characters really well, and everyone else was just kind of a drive-by. Reader's Digest version of The Stand. So overall, nothing really hit home at the end of the day. And I get the feeling that the creators weren't sure what kind of meaning they were really trying to achieve. Um, It just, it didn't feel like we were working towards any kind of goal here. I'll be interested to revisit this again, maybe in a couple years and see how it hits, see if it's better or worse um, after I've had time away from it. But I'm going to go on record and say, if you're looking for a viewing of The Stand, I would definitely watch the 94 miniseries instead. Um, Sure, it has some goofy, like, made-for-TV 90s moments, but it does a much better job telling the story and connecting us to the characters than this adaptation does. And that's it for now. But before I go, I want to leave you with a few words from Uncle Steve himself. This is not from The Stand. This is from It, but it is relevant. Drive away and try to keep smiling. Get a little rock and roll on the radio and go toward all the life there is with all the courage you can find and all the belief you can muster. Be true. Be brave. Stand. Stand.